Welcome to the Rainbow Skyline Podcast on The Athletic. Nice pass, Jokic! Not in my house. And I told him, listen, if you see me around Denver, Colorado, anywhere, it's all about the Nuggets right now. Rainbow. Rainbow. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to a fresh edition of the Rainbow Skyline Podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Nick Kosmider, joined by my colleague, Kendra Andrews, and we have a ton to get into today. We'll talk about the Nuggets landing at Disney World for the NBA's restart. Well, some of them anyway. We'll play a game of where in the world is Nikola Jokic. We'll talk about the Nuggets' new general manager, Calvin Booth. And we've also got to talk quarantine food, of course. But first, we want to thank you, our loyal listeners, for keeping it locked into this podcast each week. Your support means everything. If you like what we are doing here, you can also check out our written work at The Athletic. Right now, you can get a low-cost deal on a subscription by heading to theathletic.com slash rainbow skyline. That's theathletic.com slash rainbow skyline. Uh, Kendra, let's let's get right into it because there there is a lot to discuss today. I, th- I think the most important thing that we got to get to first is we know Nikola Jokic did not join the team when it traveled to Orlando on Tuesday. Um, his whereabouts right now are a, a little unknown. The team has said that they are working um, to get him into Orlando, and we know that there's been some travel complications. Um, he has tested negative the requisite amount of times in Serbia, uh, but they are still working on some some travel restrictions. And now the, the Calvin Booth said the Nuggets are not concerned at all. They they know that he's excited and ready to get down there, and, and that they're going to be able to get him down there. But again, this just seems like something that <laughs> you you don't like the idea of your star player not knowing exactly where he is as a fan, and then of course. Um, you know, again, when we'll we'll talk about this a little bit more, but the timeline of of when he's going to get there versus when he's going to be able to play in games and and how much practice time will be involved before that. Um, but this just, yeah, it's it's not to me the way that the Nuggets would have probably dreamt up that this whole thing would start. Right. I mean, I, there's already so many unknown variables and factors in this whole situation, and so it's kind of just one of it's an added stressor. And and you know, Calvin Booth was saying how they're not concerned and they're not worried like you mentioned Nick but it's hard for me to imagine that they're completely calm about it they might not be freaking out but if I was a member of the Nuggets organization and your star player wasn't with the team and 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 the way that he was talking about it it's it's unclear if you know he's he's he mentioned we're you know trying to figure out flight logistics and you you even mentioned it we don't know where he is is this a flight from Denver that they're trying to figure out is it a flight from Serbia is he even in the country we don't really know that either um it's just an added stressor to an already stressful situation yeah and Nikola Jokic was not the only Nuggets player who was not on that flight Tuesday as we understand it based on what Calvin Booth said the team probably had three fourths of its traveling party present yesterday. And so you say there's 36 people. Um, If you're missing one fourth of them, that's probably around nine, nine people. Now that that's not all players, um, but certainly a portion of that nine person group is players. And um, you know, again, that the nuggets and, and most teams have been um, you know, have kept positive cases, um, private, you know, and, and that's obviously, you know, medical privacy laws um, sort of dictate that they do that. Uh, some cases have come come out around the league. Oftentimes it's players announcing their own positive tests. 
Um, so, but we don't know for sure who, who it is now. We can do a little amateur sleuthing. Uh, the Nuggets posted photos yesterday of certain players getting onto the plane to fly to Orlando. You saw guys like Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, Will Barton, Jamal Murray, Troy Daniels, Bol Bol, um, Tyler Cook. Those were all players that we that we saw. And now if we didn't see players like, oh, mm-hmm. Gary Harris or mm-hmm. Monte Morris yeah. or Mason Plumlee, um, you know, again, that's not a certified way of saying those players weren't there because we didn't see photos of them pop up on Denver's social media channels. <laughs> but again, this is what this is what we're left with. And I think that the the amount of players that that have tested positive that have to travel on their own is, is maybe a little bit larger um, than it seems like some teams not named the Brooklyn Nets are dealing with. <laughs> um, what do you think will be, uh, I guess, the the effect of having certain players come in one, two, three days later and thus obviously have to start quarantine later and thus have to start getting back on the court later. I mean, we're talking about two weeks from today, I believe, is when these exhibition games are supposed to take place. Right. I mean, you need every little ounce of time that you can get, especially when you're working back from not playing a game of organized basketball in four months. And so I think, and this is an exclusive to the Nuggets, I think this goes for any team who's facing this situation across the league where players are trickling in here or there. It's just, you you want, if the whole point is to kind of level the playing field, everyone's in the same situation, everyone's, you know, under the same circumstances, this is where it's like, okay, well, it's not quite the case. If we have guys who, yeah, we might start practice and then they're going to miss X amount of days of practice depending on when they arrive in Orlando. I think practices are supposed to start on Thursday later this week. But if, and it's it's today we're recording, it's Wednesday. So if you don't get in until Friday, well, then you have to quarantine for two days. So that puts you onto Sunday and then you have less time to practice until the exhibition games. So it's just really a unfortunate schedule scramble that kind of takes away that even keel playing field that everyone's supposed to be on and just allow you guys to get back in a rhythm with their team. Because even at those uh, practices back in each other's home markets, not the Nuggets because their facilities were closed, but those were even one-on-one. So it seems like this is going to be the first time that you're even going to get to practice as a team. But if half of your team isn't there, how beneficial is it really, especially like you mentioned, Nick, some of those names of people who weren't in those photos, you know, integral guys, Monte Morris, Gary Harris, those guys are big parts of the Nuggets. So if they're not there for half of the practice time, how much can you really, you know, get set up for the start of the condensed season. Yeah. You know, Michael Malone has said, you know, when we talked to him the other day, he said, listen, my job is going to be just to try to keep this as positive as I can, because, you know, he knows that these players have a ton on their minds. He said a ton on their minds, a ton on their hearts. Um, And and that was even before you started factoring the idea that there were going to be players who were joining their teams, you know, several days later. Um, and, And you mentioned it like, Every little second in this whole thing counts. You're seeing that with baseball where, you know, certain teams like the the Rockies, for example, haven't had issues with their daily testing. Um, You know, maybe that's because they're closer to the Major League Baseball's lab in Utah. And so they're able to get their results quickly. But other teams have had to cancel their workouts because they're not getting their results back in time. And and those, um, you know, general managers or or team presidents have said, listen, if we don't have our results, we're not going to get on the field and practice and potentially, um, 
you know, infect one another. So the, the, the safety part of it, like they're doing it the right way. Like they're not allowing people to come into the bubble until they have tested negative the, the requisite, the requisite amount of times. Um, you know, so that, that's a situation where, um, they're, they're doing the, the safety thing that they have to do the right way. And, and it's just unfortunate, as you mentioned, that it, that, that safety measure results in a really crunched timeline because then you're talking about other concerns. You know, the one that the players have voiced continuously is if I don't have enough time to ramp up into kind of a really intense workout period, um, how am I going to be ready to play in these games without putting myself at major risk for injury? And so mm-hmm. those, those concerns obviously continue to grow as you start to see this play out and you're starting to see these days tick off the calendar and you're, you're really starting to understand how little time these guys are going to have to practice. And you look at a team like the Nuggets that didn't even get its, you know, mandated individual workouts in because they had to close their facility. Um, you know, it's like we're not sitting here trying to be, you know, Debbie Downer <laughs> on this situation, um, you know, because the Nuggets are a team that believes it can it can compete for this championship. It's just the reality is that this did not start well. It's it's really unfortunate. Their best player is kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. Um, and it's it's just at this point, it's just that they have to make the best out of a bad situation. Right. Right. And I think that, you know, this this wasn't how when when the league was coming up with this bubble idea and how everything was going to work. I don't think that they saw that this was foresaw that this was going to be an issue of people trickling in. I think that the hope was that everyone is be able to arrive at the same time and then just kind of get into it. And I think that this is, you know, one of the unforeseen uh, complications that is, is starting out before teams even get to Orlando. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, I think in thinking about that, you know, one of the things is if you had had everybody come to Orlando um, at the same time um, and, and maybe have that date have been two weeks earlier, um, certainly people would arrive into the bubble um, with with the virus, obviously, as we know, because players have tested positive in the last two weeks. Um, you know, however, if you if you have these quarantine procedures, you allow people to kind of go through that, uh, isolated, um, you know, perhaps there's a chance that you can just get everybody healthy over a two week timeline. And then now everybody's in the bubble and you're starting on even playing ground. Scientifically, you say that's maybe how you would do it, but the idea of people being isolated and alone while Mm -hmm. they have, um, you know, this virus and, and the potential that it could still, even with these quarantine measures spread to, you know, workers who, who could then transmit it back into the community. Um, I, I think the idea is more sound to, to expect that the people you are bringing into the bubble, um, are, are negative and trying to keep that as clean of a, of a, I guess, environment as you mm-hmm. possibly can. It's just that again, no, no perfect solutions. Hey listeners, producer cam here to tell you about manscaped manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing undercarriage deodorant and moisturizer, because we all know how painful chafing can be. Subscribe to the Perfect Package and get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. 
That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code THEATHLETIC, all one word. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. Let's get into Calvin Booth's call today with, with the media, Kendra. Obviously, he has been the Nuggets' assistant general manager for the last three seasons. He came over from Minnesota, uh, where he had worked as the director of player personnel, among other jobs that he had while working with the Timberwolves. Ten-year NBA veteran. Um, obviously, he's a guy who has been working toward this goal for, for a long time. He He's a guy who, during the later stages of his NBA career, would kind of um, sit on the plane and conduct his own scouting reports and was just really so interested in the, in the game from that lens. Um, you know, he's traveled to Ireland to help build up programs, um, you know, there in a, in a place where basketball is maybe like the fifth most popular sport. <laughs> he, he's, he's a guy that just has a pretty extreme passion just for, for those granular details of the game, but is also somebody who, uh, I, I think will bring some outside of the box thinking some, some, a guy who will maybe challenge some of the conventions, uh, Denver has had. What did you take away from kind of his introductory press conference with the media outside of obviously the stuff that we we're talking about with with Jokic and some of the other players? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, something he he touched on was just kind of embracing the youth of the Nuggets. Um, I think there's maybe not been a lot of but I think, you know, there's been chatter of when how long do they give Michael Porter to to develop before moving on, if that's, you know, an option in their mind or, you know, just other guys like that. And he said, you have to realize how young this team is. Nicole is 25. Michael Porter Jr. just turned 22. Jamal Murray's 23. You know, all these guys are crazy young. And that's something that they're going to embrace. And if they're already where they're at with these guys in their early 20s, that ha- that hopefully means that there's a lot of good potential there as they mature, get older, play in the league longer. And so that's one of the takeaways I had was just he is going to continue to embrace that and not rush to a well, we just need to get rid of young guys and bring in more more seasoned vets. Now there needs to be an equilibrium between the youth that they have drafted and they have built and brought up in this league and then sprinkle in some vets like they already have with Mason Plumley and Paul Millsap. So for my takeaway, that seems like an equation that he would want to continue. Yeah, and and look that he understands that this, you know, I, I this playoff experience was supposed to be sort of like, um, I don't know, necessarily a referendum on how the Nuggets have built this team, um, but certainly would be an illuminating, I guess, judgment on how they've put this whole thing together. Um, I don't know if we can fully say that now, just given the odd circumstances surrounding this and and just all the varying factors that different teams are going to be dealing with. I'm, I'm That's not to say that I'm a believer in the whole asterisk theory. Like I I think that whoever wins this title will earn it, but I also just don't necessarily know that it will be the best judgment of how a team has built itself to go for this run simply because there are again, so many factors, including how will players who have this virus, how will it affect them? How will it affect their play? Um, How will the mental aspect of being in this bubble affect different guys differently? So I, I don't think that this, this playoff journey is going to be a referendum 
on, on what the Nuggets have built, but it will surely, I think, give insight into whether they can kind of stick with this with this strategy of, as you mentioned, building young guys, trying to bring along a guy like Michael Porter Jr., who I, who I know Calvin Booth is um, very much high on, very much expects to be a, a great player and a, an important piece of what they do going forward. Uh, so I, I think they understand that, that this, this is going to be at least, I think an illustration in these next couple months of how far they, they really can get with what this group is and whether they need to make, um, sizable adjustments going forward. You know, obviously the decisions are going to have to make include, you mentioned Paul Millsap being a free agent, Mason Plumley being a free agent, um, they have to make decisions on guys like Torrey Craig. So again, older, older veteran type players, do you bring them back? Do you do you search for veterans who maybe bring in some different skill sets or whatever the case might be? Those are among the decisions he is going to have to help Tim Conley make uh, in the offseason. I thought what was interesting was talking about the draft. And mm-hmm. obviously, when the pandemic started, teams were preparing for the draft as if it was going to be on time, <laughs> right? So as if right. it was going to happen in June, um, which, of course, was was not the case. They're going to push the draft back until the season is done. Um, so he said, it's almost like we had to, we had to take a pause. We, in those early months, we had just scoured over, you know, every player we, we had dived into deep detail and they wanted to now avoid a paralysis by analysis. So it seems kind of like the, the drafting is, is kind of a little bit on the back burner, but, but what a time to, to enter your first season as a general manager (laughs) uh, in, in terms of a draft perspective, like, let me study, let me study these draft prospects for the draft we're going to have in October while I'm right. sitting quarantined in a hotel room in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. It's it's and when you think of the the people that you're you're drafting too. I mean, for those college kids, a, a lot kind of goes on. Well, not maybe a lot, but part of it goes on that the March Madness NCAA tournament, which of course didn't yeah. happen this year. So life as a GM and a scout right now is, is <laughs> new. It's new waters. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I thought it was interesting to where he said, do you don't want to try to convince yourself of something about a player, be it good or bad by like rewatching and rewatching, like right. you've, you've made your evaluations on players based on the work that you have done. Like just because there's all this extra time, it doesn't necessarily mean we should, you know, go over and over it again in order to like find something new, like trust the instincts that you, you know, trust your instincts and the judgments that those instincts helped you make early in the process and kind of ride that through because otherwise you're going to be, that's not to say you can't take a fresh look at things, but if you're just constantly using this time to evaluate over and over again, I think, yeah, like he said, the paralysis by analysis, which I've heard the Nuggets uh, use as, <laughs> as sort of a, a term quite quite often, uh, you're gonna start you're gonna start running into that. So I, I thought some interesting things from Calvin Booth in terms of how they approach both the bubble and then mm-hmm. the draft after the season st- uh, is over. Kendra, last thing I wanted to touch on: um, we started to see quarantine food yes. um, last <laughs> night. Now, your sister Malika Andrews, ESPN reporter, I think I think she's been on my TV more than my kids' cartoons have. <laughs> Uh, she's been on every show because she's ESPN's voice in the bubble. She's been doing a great job. I think, you know, just educating kind of the public on what it's going through. And I heard her on a podcast with Brian Windhorst talking about, um, you know, they, they bring in a lot of food. Like every, every time is like multiple meals at once because, you know, they're trying to give you choices without, um, necessarily having different food prepared, like menu, like people, 
just kind of, um, I guess, packaging different foods. They want it to be kind of made this way. They just give you everything and then you make your choice, which is maybe a little bit wasteful, but perhaps a little more safe. <laughs> um, so I, I think you saw one, I think Troy Daniels put out a thing that was like yeah. bubble food and that was, um, you know, maybe a little salad and some pita chips or whatever. <laughs> Clearly that's not, not the whole, that's not the whole meal. I, I saw another one that looked like, you know, flank steak and fish and all these kind of things. Um, but why do you think like this food thing becomes such a, such a <laughs> internet fascination? It's like fire festival all over again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I, I think, you know, the players are used to a certain um, level of food, you know, they they are fed before games by the team and, and they're used to what that quality of food is. And I think also, you know, like, when you have a decent amount of money, you go and get good food. You go to the best restaurants in the country. Because why not, right? Like, right. And so I think, you know, then you walk into the situation and, you know, the way that my sister described the food was kind of, you know, a step up from airplane food, but not, you know, it's not crazy good. It's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's food. It tastes fine, but it's, you know, obviously not the end all be all. And I think for these guys, that's an adjustment. They're not used to that. And yeah. so I think, and I think as fans, fans know that about these guys. They know that these guys are used to eating the best. And so when you have all of the best basketball players in the world in one place, and then Troy Daniels posts a picture of his salad and pita <laughs> chips and watermelon, they're like, wait, you're not feeding the some of the best athletes, the best food to nourish their bodies. And, and then I think it just kind of people just you know, Twitter's Twitter. People like it's to snowballs. have fun on Twitter <laughs> and NBA Twitter is a whole other world. So, you know, I think people kind of took it and ran with it. I think, you know, that the NBA is like really getting back when we're, f- when we've, when we focus on some of the, the, the petty stuff like that, right. the, you know, NBA, <laughs> NBA Twitter, our, our friend, Matt Moore said, I, I have to apologize to NBA playoff Twitter for like criticizing its takes when um, here, we never knew about NBA food Twitter and, and what it, <laughs> what it could do. Uh, it, it, it certainly did take off. Um, that's going to do it for us today. We appreciate as always you guys stopping by, um, again, go to the athletic.com slash rainbow skyline to get a great, co- great low cost subscription deal. Uh, do that. Now you never know when those deals will end. Uh, if you're listening to this episode in the athletic app, where all our podcasts are ad free, leave us a note in the comment section and let us know what you think until next time. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs>